Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome everyone to episode number 158 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm Adam. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. Now, Adam, you know... We like to bring on a third nerd every now and again to talk Stargate, and today we have a very special guest coming up in just a couple of minutes. Brad Ellis is here from Wyvern Gaming. Wyvern, Stargate fans might know if you've been following along on GateWorld, is getting ready to publish the Stargate role-playing game. The first question I get when we post something about the Stargate role-playing game is, what platform can I play this on? Right? Is it on Xbox? Is it on PlayStation? <laughs> is it on Switch? Yeah. And it's a tabletop role-playing game, right? So uh, get out your 20-sided die, get your D&D hat on. This is a tabletop role-playing game that's set in the Stargate universe. So I joked online uh, uh, recently, I guess the platform that it's on is your kitchen table. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I'll admit I nearly fell for the headline too at first. It's like a Stargate RPG. Is it finally happening? Like, you know, uh, round four, I think, of Stargate trying to get a video game out. But uh, yeah. this is something completely different. And it's exciting because I think there was a previous RPG, a tabletop RPG a while back. But they're going all out for this one. And I'm, I'm excited because while it's not on a on a you know digital platform or anything, this is a, a mechanism of gaming that a lot of people appreciate. There's a huge community behind, uh, you know, tabletop RPGs. And you know, Stargate fans are still around hungry for something at this point. So if we can't get a TV show or a movie or anything off the ground, at least we have this to kind of, you know, help us get our fix. It's always exciting to see the official licensees still rolling, right? Fandomonium is still publishing Stargate novels. Uh, Wyvern is getting ready to put out this RPG. Now, in order to set up proper context for folks to understand what's going on here in our conversation with Brad, we actually recorded this quite a while ago. We recorded it, I think, at the end of January. And then, well, we haven't just been sitting on it. Um, Wyvern's plans for their Kickstarter changed. Uh, and then we hit this whole pandemic thing. Uh, and things got scrambled around. They had said at one point during the shutdown that uh, they were going to delay the launch of the game an entire year to Gen Con 2021. Uh, but then they decided, here's what's actually happening. They decided that they're gonna do a, a sort of soft launch of the game this year. In fact, it's this week. It's coming up this weekend at Gen Con 2020. Gen Con, because of COVID-19, has gone entirely online. So this big, you'll hear Brad talk about it, this 60,000 uh, person convention that uh, normally meets every summer in Indianapolis is now going to be entirely online, and Wyvern is going to debut the game online. Uh, so we've posted at GateWorld a whole schedule of the events that are coming up this week, starting on Thursday, here at the end of July. Uh, and it's got, you know, they're going to live stream game events. Uh, fans have already signed up to play. Uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, Q&As, all sorts of events around this kind of soft launch of the game. And then they're going to do a Kickstarter a little bit later in the year, and they'll officially publish the core rulebook uh, in 2021. 
Yeah, it's interesting to see how things are kind of shuffling around because of the coronavirus. Um, you know, because when March and April came around, it was just complete chaos on a global scale. But now uh, certain endeavors or conventions are finding a way to do it, uh, you know, to digitize it or to put it online or to do things remotely. You know, the whole world is kind of having to adjust uh, to these current circumstances. So it's great to see, you know, Comic-Con's doing a lot of Comic-Con at home stuff. They've been doing a lot of uh, video streaming or panels or pre-recorded stuff and then it seems like they're kind of going to do the same with Gen Con which is allowing the Stargate RPG to move forward without a major delay like you were saying yeah Comic-Con at home was this past weekend and uh, they did kind of an early preview of the the Stargate RPG there and they got David Hewlett Rodney McKay (laughs) to sit down and play the game on a live stream which is amazing. If uh, if they have that available uh, to watch later, we'll definitely post it up on GateWorld so people can watch David playing the game. So let's get into our chat with Brad. The main discussion. Joining us now, straight from Wyvern Gaming in, if I got this right, Memphis, Tennessee, is CEO Brad Ellis. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. Well, we're super excited to have you on the podcast to talk about uh, your love of Stargate and, of course, to talk about the Stargate role-playing game that you guys have in development for later this year in 2020. Um, could you tell us first just sort of about how you discovered Stargate, how you became a fan of the show? Sure. Um, I, I think it was just like everybody when it when it's originally aired. I was I was enamored by the, the, the franchise as a whole, and... You know, going back and doing rewatches, um, it really is a show that holds up, and it's you know it's worthy of the of the star uh, uh, moniker, if you will, with in, this, <laughs> in the same vein as Star Wars and Star Trek, right? So, but I feel like it's it's kind of somewhere in between because it's uh, it's it's kind of got the Star Trek you know going on adventures and missions kind of feel, uh, but it's got the grittiness of of Star Wars, so. It, it really scratches an itch. Uh, it's right in the middle, and I feel like it's it's a wonderful series. I um, unfortunately missed all the follow-up series of when they originally aired uh, due to life events, I guess. Mm, sure. Uh, but I've had one of those. but obviously, yeah. But obviously, uh, since we've we've gotten the the license uh, for the company and started in development of the of the project, uh, we've done a complete rewatch multiple times of of all the series, and it's a. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I can't say enough how much uh, we, we love the show. We were very interested to hear that the, the game, which we'll talk about in a minute, is going to start around the middle of season six of Stargate SG-1. Uh, so that got me thinking, of course, about that era of SG-1, uh, what was going on in the lore, right, in the struggle against Anubis, etc. We'll talk about the, the setting of the game in a minute, but uh, do you have a favorite episode or season of the show? Was it... Was it just that that moment in Stargate's lore worked for the game, or is there there's something about season six in particular that kind of grabs you as a fan? Yeah, um, I would say personally, my favorite episodes are are the uh, the, the the two part Tokra episodes. Um, I, I just feel like that those it really expanded the the lore about you know the whole Tokra and, and what they're like and what's like the good symbiotes are uh, are like and. And bringing in Sam's dad and, and those events. Um, and besides that one, the other one that I really enjoy is uh, the Fragile Balance. Uh, I just love young Jack. Oh, that, yeah. That actor is, it was just captured. Uh, <laughs> uh, Richard D. Anderson's um, 
character so well. It's been so long since Fragile Balance. That was in the early part of season seven. And still to this day, I constantly see fans say, hey, um, how about like an SG-1 The Next Generation and right. we get Michael Welch to come back and play uh, a, a younger Jack O'Neill who's now an adult? Yeah, why not? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but the but the reason for where we landed with uh, the RPG was the what was happening in the in the canon at that time. It really fit the what we wanted to, to do uh, with the RPG, and it was it was far enough into the into the series uh, where there's there's lots of backstory that can be pulled upon, and it's it's really the point in which you know Anubis uh, is coming to power. Right, um, and there's a new threat that's that's brewing, and it's really the point where you start to see the different factions uh, start to work together, and that that plays in very heavily into uh, our RPG and how how we have the various races working together um, in the in the Phoenix site. So before we jump more into the game, I just have a question about, you know, Wyvern Gaming and your history with it, like uh, where the company came from and what kind of, what's its mission, like what kind of content is creating and how, you know, Stargate fit into your company's uh, goal and brand. Sure, sure. So our um, motto or, or kind of mission statement, if you will, is approachable games for everyone. And... Um, one of the things that, that me and my co-founders, we, we, we really wanted to make sure that our games brought was that it was games that, that you could sit down and start playing like within 15 minutes. Um, we, you know, we do like the really big, big box games, the, the crunchy ones uh, that, that take a while to set up um, for the right situation. But we feel like that being able to sit down and start playing a game and teach the game almost as you're playing in a lot of cases uh, that 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 is the kind of game that that we want we wanted to develop and bring bring to market uh some of our past games um a lot of them are, are cooperative in nature um we have a cthulhu uh, deck building game for example it's a it's a one to six player cooperative where you're fighting against the cthulhu mythos and you're you're basically to learn the game, you basically play the game. It's 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 that simple. You just go through the phases of the game, and uh, the the cards themselves will teach you how to how to play the game as you're playing it. So it's those types of uh, those types of mechanics that we really liked. So when we um, wanted to started to to go into the RPG and the Stargate, um, we were looking at you know the different types of uh, systems out there, gaming systems for RPGs, and the one that seemed to be the the most prevalent uh, right now is is Fifth Edition, and that is that's why we we chose Fifth Edition because it it kind of struck a balance between um, the the crunchiness you know for the power players uh, who who like a lot of options and things like that to being e- easily accessible for the for, for the new players so um, that's why we we chose fifth edition and we went with the uh, the open gaming license uh for that uh would allows us to expand on that for sure so for uh people like myself who i'd like to consider myself a geek in some ways but i'm definitely my area of expertise is not tabletop rpgs and i'm sure there are other stargate fans out there like me can you just briefly explain what the fifth edition open gaming license is and what kind of mechanism that sets up for gameplay 
Sure, sure. So, um, Wizards of the Coast, um, who is you know kind of the they're they're one of the the big boys in Dungeons and Dat Dragons, right? They're, they're kind of <laughs> they invented the thing, so so to speak. Um, they're on a currently their 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 working edition is fifth edition. So they've through the years it's come up. Um, you know, you had your your first edition, uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, third edition, fourth edition, and now we're on fifth edition. And one of the cool things they they did with fifth edition is they they took the the core mechanics of the game itself, like how sneaking works or how um, combat works or how um, uh, attributes become you know are used for skills and things like that. Those are um, mechanics that they bundled up into a, a package that they call the Open Gaming License, and it basically opened it up so that other game designers um, like ourselves uh, could take that as a toolbox and use it to build on top of. So essentially all of the, the, the basic mechanics that that are available for the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, we, we are able to build on top of. So, you know, we've, we've changed the things that make sense. Like in Dungeons & Dragons, there's, there's magic, right? Because it's a fantasy setting. Where in Stargate, there's not magic. So, you know, we take all the magic out. We've replaced it with, you know, technology. Um, and, and doing things like that uh, allow you to expand on it and, and make, it, uh, make, it, make it your own, so to speak. But it, it really jumpstarts the project as a whole. Uh, and it also gives the, the familiarity uh, to, the, to the players who've played uh, Dungeons & Dragons in the past. I think it's brilliant. It's because uh, you've got uh, people who are uh, been playing tabletop gaming for years are going to be familiar with the system, right? With the mechanics and how everything works. Uh, I've been around the block a few times. Even I played Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. Um, and, but you've got to—I mean—you've got to make this accessible also to the Stargate audience. Otherwise, you just have like the subset of tabletop gamers who also love Stargate. It seems like one of the big challenges here for bringing this product to market is getting getting people who are new to gaming, who are new to tabletop gaming, but love Stargate and they see this thing and it looks so cool, and they want to you know make a character and and level up and participate in the in the ongoing stories. So uh, it, this just makes the game, it seems to me, uh, really accessible that you can just kind of learn it on the fly. Absolutely, and and Dungeons and Dragons in you know, fifth edition and all, you know, this RPGs in general is a, is a cooperative kind of game, right? You're working together, um, as a group. So it, it, it helps for people who are a little intimidated to learn all the rules. Um, they can kind of learn as they go, uh, cause your, your fellow players will be more than happy to, to teach you. And they'll, you know, if you're, if you're trying to, um, um, convince the, um, convince the, the Tok'ra that you're actually on their side, you can you can make a diplomacy check, and the, the DM will actually say, okay, we'll roll a d20 and add your, your diplomacy modifier, right? And it's very simple. You just look at your sheet and go, oh, diplomacy, here it is. I roll it. Here's what I got. And yeah. the, GM, the GM will just tell you if you succeed or not. So it's it's very helpful in, in learning the game um, that you have someone there who's basically coaching you uh, as that's how the game is played. Now, when we play D&D, we have spell casting and all this other kind of stuff. I'm really fascinated by the mechanics of replacing magic in this world, of course, with technology. Um, 
Can you think of a, a example off the top of your head of, of how that works with technology kind of stepping in to do something that in the fifth edition rules, maybe magic would do in the D and D world? Well, sure. I mean, uh, so fireball, right? Everybody, uh, when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you like to play the wizard who has, has fireball. Well, in, um, Stargate, you don't have fireball, but you do have C4. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, things like that. And then we, we replace some of the skills, uh, for example, uh, instead of arcana, which is, you know, a pretty typical or, uh, uh, D and uh, skill, you would you would have uh, you have science and you have engineering are are skills that that you have. So you might, if you need to figure out how um, how to repair the DHD, uh, for example, you might roll an engineering check to um, to do your repairs. Or if you need to figure out uh, this this uh, this germ that is infecting the local town, you might you might roll a, a science check to to figure out try to figure out how how that um how that manifests or 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 things like that so those are those are just some some simple examples it sounds so cool and it sounds really flexible for the the game to continue to grow and evolve just as the fifth edition gaming license has evolved and and sort of created new possibilities for gaming and for storytelling uh we're talking about about you know magic and D. i'm just thinking if we get a few more seasons beyond season six in SG one, SG one's got dragons. <laughs> SG one, right? There's there's uh, dragons in the quest in season ten, and uh, in seasons nine and ten, there's this whole expansion of Stargate's lore into Arthurian legend and Merlin, and this, like, this deep exploration of Merlin as an ancient uh, who is now right, using his advanced knowledge and his technology to simulate magic, like yeah. the holographic dragon. Absolutely. And that's one of the great things about about Stargate and using it as a uh, RPG is that basically on the other side of that gate you can put anything, right? Uh, if, if you if if you want to if you want to have a medieval setting this this time, go for it. You know, if you want if you want to have a sci-fi adventure next time, you can do that too. So, what is the development process like for the game? You know, just as like a fan of storytelling and interactive gaming, uh, can you just take us inside? You know, from when the moment you realized you were going to make a, a Stargate RPG, how you kind of build the world, build the mythology, build the gameplay. You know, building it off of a fifth edition open gaming license, but also making something that's probably going to capture the feel of Stargate and the feel of going off world, and how you write that story and turn it into a finished product. Sure. So, um, fortunately, there is a ton of material that's already there, right? So it was extremely important to us um, to build off of the canon uh, that that currently exists, um, and it's that's been a um, a must from the start. When we started talking with MGM, we we said that we want this to be part of canon. We want it to to fit in in the universe and be part of the overall story. Um, so, building on top of that. Um, has been has been really fun. We've we've got some really great writers that we uh, we brought on, um, and they have basically brought you know imagined what it what what are the you know underlords under the system lords what are what are other uh, system lords that are out there that that maybe uh, Anubis took down um, what what's going on on other planets at at the time uh, of the events of of 
things we see in SG-1. Things like that that, that, we, that we've built on top of um, in the development process. There's, there's going to be a, a really large portion of the book uh, dedicated to basically recapping from season one through six um, with the addition of things that, that we've learned from the perspective of the Stargate Phoenix site. Um, which we can talk about when you're ready. <laughs> so the game was announced last year, and uh, we knew at some point in 2020 we were going to see a Kickstarter. Uh, how does Kickstarter figure into the, the process of you guys getting this game to market this summer? Sure. So the Kickstarter is uh, it's very, very important to our uh, development of the project. The reason that we're, primary reason that we're doing the Kickstarter is so that we can get the fans' involvement um, early on so that we can we can take the feedback and, and integrate it into the game itself so we're we're wanting to make sure that the the, the true fans who, who really are excited about the project get get an early edition of the, the book the core rule book and be able to to play it kick the tires and provide us with uh, what it is that they like dislike um, where we might might have gotten something wrong even um, and correct it before we we get a finished product in the end okay which is uh yep yeah so the kickstarter is connected to a sort of version 1.0 or version 0 0.5 uh is this sort of connected to like the the open play testing the public play testing that you said is coming up yeah yeah so we have we will be having a public play test uh of the the core rulebook uh, launching very soon um and it will it will continue through the Kickstarter uh, experience uh, while we're we're finishing up the uh, the core rulebook as as it as it or finalizing it uh, towards the end. Cool. And how has the private uh, playtesting been going? You've been posting some pictures online of uh, some of these events you got uh, guys together to play the game as it stands right now. How's that process been going for you? It's been it's been going great. Uh, the the group that we have that's doing the the private play tests have been wonderful. We've we've got about uh, sixty uh, gate masters, uh, and that's what we're calling them, by the way, GMs, <laughs> gate masters. Um, we've got about sixty individuals who are running for their local game groups um, and providing feedback on a, on a weekly basis um, for everything from the different counters to uh, types to um, how how the the weapons are working and how you know they're defeating how fast they're defeating the enemies and um, how you know diplomacy type encounters are working um, and different mechanics that that you know are, are new to uh, our version of uh, fifth edition that that have that are being tested along the way so it's it's going it's going really well I would say um, and we're we're at the point where we're ready to, to open it up to more people so We'll uh, be looking forward to that very soon. So these guys are spread out all over the country, or maybe even all over the world, right? But then yeah, all of, all over the world. You've also been having uh, sort of live events at at uh, conventions and stuff. I know you started uh, playtesting at Gen Con last summer. Uh, what's it like to actually be in the room yourself and to watch other people kind of step into this world and and make a go of the game? Yeah, it's 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 so. It's so great because um, you sit down at the table. It, it's really been interesting, especially in the public venues, um, where you have you have people who sign up, and a lot of people, the people that sit down at the table, they're either sitting down because they are avid uh, Stargate fans, 
uh, or they are avid 5th uh, edition fans. And seeing the mix of those individuals work together, um, it's actually been really interesting because you have the you have the the 5th the edition people who are helping the the Stargate people with the mechanics, and you have the Stargate people help helping the uh, D and D people with the, the lore uh, yeah. and mythology. So it's um, it's that actually like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's it's been going really well, and um, yeah, last Gen Con um, when we we ran. We ran, oh, probably about, I think about 80 events uh, in total. And uh, we had, we did a, a survey of the individuals as at the end of each each of those sessions. And our average, um, uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, you know, where people were liking it, it was right around an 8 uh, on the scale, which is really good for a, yeah. a, wow, a, pre, 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 a, a year early version of the game. So knowing that this game is for, you know, both gamers and, and Stargate fans alike who've maybe never played a game like this, what kind of feeling do you want players to come away from the game feeling? Like, what do you want to capture in the game? And once players, you know, complete a round or an episode of the game, what is what is that process supposed to be like from a fan's perspective? Sure. We, we want them to feel like they just played in an episode of Stargate, essentially. Um in the gate master chapter that, that we um, have written in the core rule book that's in process is, is writing it to teach the gate master to start or, or create the game so that it, it plays like an episode of a show uh, over a series, basically a season. So the, the, the story beats that you might see in an, um, in an episode, um, are things that we're, we're teaching the gate master to, to, to put in the game itself and a season arc where you have a story that happens over uh, several episodes we're, we're teaching the, the gate masters in the book itself, you know, how to mechanically put that together um, so that it, you have a, a flow of a story from one to the end. So what we're trying to really do is, is make it feel, make you feel like you're actually part of a, Stargate series um, that could be played on TV um, that that you know you might be watching in the comfort of your home. I also read somewhere that players will be able to kind of track their progress and and you know uh, through like an online portal or an online platform. Can you talk a little bit about your plans for that? For how a you know the, the all the playtime can build a profile or build a character and you can customize a character or or kind of track that progress throughout several different games. Sure, sure. So. Basically, there will be two ways to play the game, if you will. Um, there is be kind of the homebrew version, where you would have you know someone who is the gate master who um, is sitting down with his friends at his at his home uh, weekend after weekend, um, and they're they're playing on that table every week, same players going from uh, session to session, right? So that's that's more of the homebrew type of uh, play. The other type of play is uh, organized play, or sometimes called a, a living living campaign. We're actually calling it a living series. And um, in that play, you basically, we're, pub- we're going to be publishing stories, uh, official stories from, from Wyvern Gaming um, that will have an overall season, uh, season arc over, you know, hopefully multiple seasons. And that storyline will be told by, could be a, a different GM, 
to you every every session. So you're able to play in uh, episode one with uh, maybe a, a GM that you you went to a convention and had uh, played, and then you're you would able to save what happened uh, for your character into our, our online database basically. And then if you go to another convention uh, a couple of months later or next, the next week or whatever, you can uh, play that exact same character with this other GM in the new story. So in this fashion, you're able to uh, level your character over, uh, over time with, um, uh, at the pace in which you're, you're comfortable going, basically. So in this way, you don't necessarily have to have a group of friends every, every week to show up at because uh, that's a lot of times that's a lot of problem that people have playing D and D is the the time commitment commitment that it takes right. to go week <laughs> after week. Um, where in a living campaign, basically, as you have time and you have a, a, a local convention or something like that that you can go to, or even uh, you can we're going to make it where the organized play can be played at home as well. So uh, you can if you have a GM that, that at your local game stop or game shop, you can um, actually do that. And, and be ran there as well. So um, that's what the that's what the online database is for is is so that uh, it, it makes sure that you as a registered character um, you're you're getting uh, credit for playing the different episodes and that you're getting the proper rewards. And and if a, if a GM needs to to check your progress and make sure that uh, why do you have this really powerful item. Uh, <laughs> It can go back and look at the database and say, "Oh, they did they did X, Y, and Z on that episode, which is a legitimate thing." That's that's kind of how that that's that works. So the gate masters have the ability to kind of check in on your on your profile or some kind of public access. Uh, that's right. Yep. I, this makes me wonder: in the tabletop community, is there? I mean, is there much uh, use of online play? I mean, do like groups of friends get together on Skype or something and? I can foresee some of the problems of that, right? If you're like, you're rolling a die that nobody else can see. Absolutely. Like there's potential risk for cheating. Like, no, I didn't roll a four. I rolled a 14. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There, the online um, role play community is, has really boomed, actually. Um, there's there's things out there called uh, like Roll20, uh, Fantasy Ground, um, that make it where you basically, it's a... Uh, you can load up your your characters in in their interface. You have a character sheet. You have um, dice that you roll, um, and they virtually roll on the screen, so everybody sees it. Um, and and the and the GMs can actually put together maps and things like that that that, that your character can go through the the, the area. It's actually um, it's actually a very very good uh, systems that are out there and. Um, we may or may not be uh, also in development with a some of those those guys to to, to have an online um, version of the Starry role role playing game. So. Okay, cool. You may or may not be. May or may in- not be intriguing. Okay. Yeah. So that's cool. It sounds like yeah, instead of just like Skype, uh, where you might need to hook up like extra over the shoulder cameras for you <laughs> know uh, keeping people honest. There's actually like a common platform that somebody can can log into. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can go to roll, cool. roll, roll20.com is probably one of the more popular ones. So if we can dig into the lore a bit now, um, I think, I, I'm guessing probably that like me, you're really into the lore of Stargate and the world building that, that has happened over the course of right, 17 seasons of three shows. Uh, 
you you mentioned the Tokra in season two. Here we're we're kind of starting off the role playing game in season six. Uh, the the episode that you've talked about as being particularly important is Allegiance, uh, which is when the the Tauri and the Tokra and the Frigifa have all gotten together and are kind of occupying the same space at at Earth's alpha site, and so. Right. If, if folks remember back to when season six was on the air, that was a really remarkable thing when that episode aired because we'd had so many episodes where we, this one's about the Tok'ra and Jacob Carter shows up or Martouf shows up. And then the next week, well, this one's about the Fridge of Fa and, you know, Ragnar shows up or Braytac shows up. Uh, this was actually, right, it took six seasons before we ever saw Jacob Carter and Braytac on the screen at the same time. Uh, we had those those two worlds come together, and it really it built the world out. It 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 created new possibilities. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's why we chose that particular point in the series to 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 start our campaign, if you will. Um, the the backstory that that we're um, uh, putting forth is that that particular episode and that event where. The alpha site was essentially uh, compromised um, because uh, there was there was an infiltration, right? And they were all blaming each other for doing it, but they learned in the end it was it was not. It was uh, yeah, it was it was the Ashrak. Yeah, the Ashrak. Thank you. <laughs> it was the Ashrak that uh, that that actually um, infiltrated. So what we're putting forth is that after the events of that, they had to build a new alpha site, or they had to move the alpha site, but. What the Stargate Command and the President basically decided was, well, we also have all these uh, the the Tok'ra and the the, the Free Jaffa and and other people, other humans from other other worlds that are wanting to help in the fight against uh, the Gua'uld, right? So, what they decided to do was, in addition to moving the Alpha site, they created a new site called Phoenix Site, and its purpose is very similar to Stargate Command. Um, is is that they they train train up the freedom fighters uh, from all over the, the galaxy to to work as teams to go on missions to uh, find new technologies to discover new new things and and to find the things that can help them against the fight uh, with Gould and eventually you know free free as many of the people in the galaxy as as possible so in this way we have a lot of the as a playable race in our game, um, you can play a Tok'ra, you can play a, a Jaffa, you, you can play an Unas, which is uh, nice. really exciting. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited about that. <laughs> you you can play as a, a human from you know a different a different world, um, maybe a, someone from Abydos, or you know um, uh, one of the other many many humanoid planets that that we discovered that that the seeds were placed (laughs) throughout the galaxy um yeah go ahead yeah certainly i mean i think one of the great things about sg1 or about stargate like any great sci-fi franchise is how multi-layer show can be you know because it takes place in the real world there's earth dynamics there's military dynamics there's modern science dynamics there's there's you know adventure exploration sci-fi dynamics but it also sounds like uh you know this rpg is really zeroing in on the social and the cultural dynamics of a lot of the different races we meet and how they interact um you know on top of having the adventure it seems like the phoenix site is just going to create a really interesting setting to explore a lot of that throughout the game 
Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, um, one of the, the really cool things that we also created, um, this may or may not be the first time I'm saying it, um, is right outside of the actual site that is the Phoenix site um, is a town uh, called Haven. And it's, it's really a melting pot where a lot of the uh, refugees from worlds that, that had to be evacuated uh, were put. So oh. it's, it's, it's a place where things can happen. It's where adventures can start. It's, um, uh, you can have a lot of the conflicts or the, 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 the things that happen between, you know, what happens when you get a, a group of Jaffa and a group of uh, Toker in the same place or, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So uh, we're really excited about what the stories that will come out of Haven Will, will be because uh, we, we think that that is a, a really fun melting pot of things that are that, that can come up, come about so Phoenix site is on a populated world this is is really interesting it makes a, a lot of sense because of course the show is established over the course of many many seasons that there are uh, multiple bases not just the alpha site we, we also at some point we see a gamma site we see um, you know, free Jaffa hanging out. Um, what's the episode? I think it was in Covenant in season seven. Uh, I think we saw the Gamma site with free Jaffa just kind of hanging out there. So yeah, you can set up a base here. That's totally consistent with the way that Stargate Command operates, and uh, be kind of isolated enough, I suppose. If you're if you're try- trying to maintain continuity with with the 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 show's lore. Uh, you're isolated just enough that when like earth is under a major crisis, uh, like Anubis is attacking at the end of season seven in lost city, uh, Stargate command is shut down. You don't have to write episodes that necessarily deal with that because you're on another base that's on another world. And, uh, you don't have to have, uh, Jack O'Neill or general Hammond show up every single episode. Absolutely. Yes. And, um, that's that's one of the, the really cool things is um, we because we wanted to have um, these other playable races as part of the as part of the game. Uh, the previous there was a previous Stargate role playing game. Um, yeah, I never played it, but it, uh, it was it, you basically could just play a human. Um, that's all you could play. Okay. So that's one of the reasons that we we wanted to make make it where you could play you know one of these different races. Um, and then the, the storyline of creating the Phoenix site uh, just made that work perfectly uh, because otherwise, we, you know, it would feel funny if you were playing a uh, another Jaffa that was at Stargate Command. That would not feel right to us. And it, that's one of the reasons why we, we wanted to create a, a, another base. Uh, and it makes sense that they would have a place where uh, you would have other Jaffa or Toker or, or what have you that... Um, are, are wanting to join the fight and this is this is where they get trained up and and work work with the team yeah yeah it makes a ton of sense now we've heard you uh, elsewhere talk about the new race that you got to create but can you share uh, who who that race is with our listeners oh yeah yeah so this was really fun so when we when we were uh, pitching some things to, to MGM one of the playable races that we were talking about was uh, the Nox of and course they... <laughs> everybody wants to be a Nox right yeah, you can of turn course. things invisible you can bring your <laughs> friends back from the dead everybody wants to be a Nox absolutely um, and they said no no they're way too powerful oh. you can't do that <laughs> alright so, but they said but if you want you can create a new race Ooh, can I be a replicator 
Sure, I guess. That's maybe in ver- that maybe in version two. Yeah, maybe later. Maybe maybe expansion or something. Um, so they said you can create a new a new race, and we were like, well, great. Well, we want some of the aspects of what the Nox are. We we kind of wanted someone who was uh, kind of nature driven. Uh, in those types of aspects that we, you know, we really liked about the the Nox. So what we came up with was a um, a race called the Aturin, and there's a whole backstory that's going to be um, completely detailed in in the book. Um, but the essence is that the Aturins were once a, a warring race uh, that were basically destroying their planet and destroying each other, and eventually um, the Nox stepped in. Or after they were, you know, asked very, you know, they were basically were convinced to help them, uh, mostly because they were destroying their planet, right? Mm. And um, they nurtured the Aturin over over many hundreds of years to basically teach them um, how to be more peaceful. Uh, some of their technology, of course, they didn't want to give them a, a bunch of stuff, but you know, just enough to to, to keep help them along. And being able to um, just just be a, a, a nature-loving type of, of race. So those particular that particular race is uh, they also ventured out from their world of Atura and joined uh, the Phoenix site. And so that's one of the playable races that, that you can be. And how how they have not been discovered and uh, why they are now part of the Phoenix site will be covered in the in the in the game. Yeah, yeah, why we haven't met these guys after so many years of gate travel. Mm-hmm. There's actually precedence for this, Brad. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but um, one of the previous Stargate video games, I don't think it was Stargate Worlds, which never released, but I think it was Stargate SG-1 The Alliance, which was an, an earlier video game project that was also never released. Um, there, right, Part of the, the lore that they were building was that the uh, right, the alliance of the four great races that we learn about in the fifth race, the Asgard, the Nox, the Furlings, and the Ancients, each of those four races at one point in their history had sort of adopted a, a younger race and took on this role of kind of shepherding that that younger race. And so there was this really interesting dynamic in the lore that was proposed for that game of, uh, you know, one of those races was the Gould, and maybe that's how they became as powerful as they were. And, you know, the Nox were also kind of caretakers for someone else. So it fits at least with other ideas that uh, that folks have had for gaming in the Stargate universe. Yeah, actually that was um, brought to our attention uh, when we, we were doing the original proposal for uh, saying we wanted to use the Nox. Um, that was actually pitched to us as well. And that's, that's actually probably where that idea came from, I'll mm. be honest. Cool. So ultimately, we're going to get the Stargate RPG sometime in the summer. Um, but uh, apart just from the launch and kind of like the beta testing we're talking about with the Kickstarter, what are what is your hope for this game? And is there a, a strategy for expansion where it could go if it's well received, how it could build? Uh, you just through like the online dynamic you were talking about. And, and ultimately, what what are your greatest hopes for this project as it's moving toward its release date? Sure. So, um, yeah, really exciting. We have really big plans if, if things go as we all hope they do. Um, and the the living campaign uh, or the living series, sorry, that that will be published. Um, will like I said, we'll start around season six, episode nine of the SG One show, and we'll cover 
basically a season in real time, so to speak, of this, the SG-1 series, um, where we will continue down the path of the events that also are happening in Stargate, and you can imagine what the things that might be coming next might be in the form of expansions in books like that. Um, you know, we could very well get to Atlantis. We could <laughs> yeah. very well, you know. Uh, if things go well, we will continue to, to publish um, additional material um, as long as, as you guys are, are loving it and lapping it up, so which I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that we will because I'm, I'm excited to, to, to keep on <laughs> for sure. That's really exciting to, to know kind of, okay, I can watch the season six episodes while my friends and I are playing the game. And then we know that, you know, sometime uh, a year or two, however long it takes, there's going to be maybe a season seven expansion pack and, and we can kind of anticipate some of the major story beats is there a deliberate effort then to potentially tie in the future episodes and future seasons with the events of the show or does Phoenix and its story become kind of, you know, isolated? We're not necessarily going to have Loki or uh, other characters that show up in season seven. Yeah. The, the idea that it will, it will parallel um, what's happening in SG one. And you may see some of the effects of things that have, are happening uh, in the show. Um, in fact, you may even uh, be part of helping uh, SG-1 or, you know, the, the Stargate Command in, in ways that, that are off screen, right? Um, like, you know, how was it that Tritonin got finally developed? Um, things like that, you know, that, that could, be, could be something, some storyline that, um, that, that we can build on top of as the seasons go. But that's the idea, is that we would continue uh, down the road of the, the Living Campaign or the Living Series to to get to the point where we're uh, paralleling the show. Very cool. Well, I guess what I really want to know at the end of the day, I got my I got my 20-sided die here ready to go. Uh, when can I play this game? Uh, how long is it going to take for somebody to teach me how to play this game and get uh, Adam here at the other end of my, the, the business end of my staff weapon? Yeah. Well, the, uh, the, the game itself, um, is we're going to release it at, uh, Gen Con 2020, which is, uh, this coming August. Uh, we're, we're also launching the living series at that same time. So it's going to be, um, a big event for us. So, uh, if you've never been to Gen Con, it's the best four days in gaming. Um, that's their, their, (laughs) that's their, uh, tagline, so to speak. Um, and it's it's sixty thousand of your closest friends playing games all Ooh. over the place. That's uh, huge. I had no idea Gen Con was that big. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's that's just uh, uh, over the course of the four days. It's it's you know the the turn the turn style is uh, is much higher than that. But um, unique visitors, I think, is is around sixty thousand, if not more, if I'm not mistaken. But that's crazy. Yeah, so, no wonder you guys did eighty different events last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it probably sounded like when I, a lot when I said it, but um, so we're we're going to um, be launching it there. Uh, the physical book will be available there for purchase, um, and the living series will be uh, launched at that at that uh, event. So you'll be will be uh, when events submit uh, event registration uh, opens up. I believe in June, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so if you just go to gencon.com, you can see the information there, or if you prefer, and 
I would recommend if you go to StargateTheRPG.com, which is uh, the main portal for for our uh, for the game. You can sign up there, and we'll we'll be publishing news and information as we make it available as things happen. So that's that's where you can learn about it. And then of course, uh, when we have our Kickstarter. Uh, if you wanted to be in on the ground floor, you can uh, back that campaign and be one of the first to uh, to roll the dice that way. Cool. And if I don't get to make it to Gen Con, am I going to be able to buy this online at some point? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that'll that'll uh, be the the point of the the retail launch, so to speak. So it it'll be available in all your normal outlets. Cool. Well, we'll send everybody to StargateTheRPG.com. Did I get that right? Yep, you did. And we'll continue, of course, to tell people about the game as we move through this this big launch year over at GateWorld.net. Brad, thanks so much for being on the show and telling us about what you're working on. We're super excited. Yeah, I'm super glad to, to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, a huge thanks to Brad for spending some time giving us really a deep dive into the game. It was such a fascinating conversation. If you have some experience with D&D, like I played D&D a little bit as a kid, or if you're brand new to the world of tabletop gaming, uh, hopefully they've made this to be really accessible and approachable for Stargate fans who want to give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it's just, it's really exciting to hear, uh, you know, people, developers, you know, creative developers like Brad get really excited talking about Stargate and, you know, tapping into a mythology and legacy that, you know, came out like 15, 20 years ago in many ways, but is still kind of picking up steam in, in different outlets. You know, we had comic books, a, a lot of SGU and Atlantis comics come out kind of recently, and, and now we have this. So, you know, Stargate is still cranking. <laughs> Yeah, and you can tell that Brad and his team are Stargate fans. This is really a labor of love for them, and they're they're yeah. they're going deep into the show's mythology. Absolutely. So once again, you can check out the game's premiere at Gen Con Online this weekend. The convention takes place from July 30th through August 2nd, 2020. Uh, they're going to have live streaming gameplay broadcasts. Again, they're going to have uh, uh, not just the David Hewlett's of the world, but in this case, they're going to have fans who have signed up to play the game online. Uh, there's going to be Q&As, uh, all kinds of things for people who are interested in the game to finally get their hands on it in this kind of soft launch format. We're going to keep our eyes on what's going on here at Gen Con. And then over at GateWorld.net, we'll let you know when the Kickstarter launches if you want to support uh, and get your hands on the publication of the core rulebook next year. In the meantime, Adam, it was good to talk to you again. Let's do this more often. Yeah, absolutely. Let's catch up. And, and hopefully, you know, we found out pretty recently that Brad Wright is still behind the scenes trying to make uh, a new Stargate show or, or Stargate something, some form of, of, you know, narrative entertainment happen. Yeah, I'm tepid because of past results, but I'm, I'm still in a greater sense optimistic moving forward that we'll have a bit more to talk about soon. Well, that's where we're at. We try and be optimistic that something's going to happen, but also realistic about uh, the, the sort of ins and outs of the production business and what it takes to actually get something off the ground. Uh, for our full coverage of what's going on right now in the Stargate franchise, head over to GateWorld.net. Of course, you can always subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, get cool videos that Adam and I are making. You can find this podcast there on YouTube if you want to watch it there. Or listen to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google, anywhere you get your podcast, you should be able to find 
the Gate World podcast, and then also if you're interested in some of the interviews that we're doing, just recently published an interview with director Martin Wood, uh, go to your podcast feed and search for Gate World Interviews. There's a separate podcast that you can subscribe to there. So thanks everybody for listening. I'm Darren. And I'm Adam. And we'll see you next time on the Gate World Podcast. <laughs>